This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue in Titus with qualifications for elders, rebuke them sharply, sound doctrine, grace of God, and the washing of regeneration. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. The hymn, O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair, being transfiguration celebrations are sometimes a little confusing. Well, for the first thing, Lutherans are pretty much the only one who really pay attention to it, and there's a good reason for that, because the transfiguration shows something about our Christ that maybe other Christians don't always get. And it can be confusing because we celebrate it at different times for different reasons. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Monday afternoon, January the 15th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary, The Transfiguration of Our Lord with Pastor Will Whedon. An hour from now, we'll replay an interview with Aaron Wren on Christianity and Culture. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois, formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands, and he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Well, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. Let's deal with those two facts about transfiguration first. Lutherans kind of like this celebration, where as other Christians may observe it, they don't observe it as ardently as we do. And why does it move around so much? Yeah, so obviously Lutherans especially love this feast because of the way that it reinforces our doctrine of the Genos Maestaticum, that the glory of the divine nature of Christ, which shows through his humanity on this feast, is is a confirmation to us of that blessed doctrine. And it's the grounding also of our doctrine of the mystical union, too, as it applies to us. It moves around a little bit, though, because originally the feast is observed generally a weekday, the 6th of August, and that's where Roman Catholics, Anglicans, and Swedish Lutherans, among others, observe it. But Veit Dietrich, at the time of the Reformation, had the idea of actually observing it as a celebration to wrap up the the Epiphany season, so the final Sunday after Epiphany, which is the practice adopted by most American Lutherans, but... (laughs) American Lutherans follow two different lectionaries, one of which has another season after Epiphany. The one-year series follows the tradition of having pre-Lent or the Jesumatide. And because of having pre-Lent, we will celebrate the Transfiguration this coming Sunday, and other Christians following the three-year lectionary will be celebrating it in three weeks. You know, they don't have the three Sundays of Jesumatide to deal with. So in, in either case, they're wrapping up. Wherever you celebrate it, we are capping off the Epiphany, epiphany. season. And it makes so much sense, too. I mean, it's a beautiful correspondence there, right? 
Epiphany begins with the wise men on their face before the Lord Jesus, and it it the Sunday or the octave of that day has the celebration of the baptism of our Lord, which we covered last week, with the Father's voice saying from heaven, this is my beloved son, just like we're hearing today, this is my beloved son. And then, the, you know, the, the, the glory of the experience is, is very similar in both cases. And when you think about the moments of Christ's epiphanies, the way that he shows his divine glory in the flesh, surely the culmination of those from from the standpoint of just visible glory is going to be the transfiguration itself, where Christ gives us this ultimate epiphany, and he gives it to his disciples before he heads into his suffering and death as a way of comforting them and getting them through the, the moments they're about to face. And so it makes a beautiful bridge for us into the time of either pre-Lent or the time of Lent. Either way, it works. I'm going to ask the Jeff Schwartz question, because I've heard him ask at least two pastors this question in the last week, and that is, with the one-year series, observing pre-Lent, aren't we rushing through the, the ministry of Christ pretty quickly in Epiphany? It can seem like that, but just recognize that if Epiphany is short— that means that the Sundays after Pentecost or Trinity's Tide is going to be longer, and the, that also features the ministry of Christ and the great miracles and deeds that he did. So it'll just be more of that to celebrate on the other side. This is one reason why uh, Rome sometimes refers to these, both the Sundays after Epiphany and the Sundays after Pentecost as ordinary time, meaning not that it's ordinary, but that it's ordinal. Days, they just have numbers, right? They don't have particular characters. And so if you chop it short on Epiphany because of where Easter falls, it just gets made up on the other end with Trinity. The intro for the transfiguration of our Lord, according to the one-year lectionary, is from Psalm 84 and Psalm 77. Yeah, beautiful words. The, the antiphon is from Psalm 77, 18b. Your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. And then right to Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Well, you can see why those verses were chosen for the great feast of the transfiguration. They're all highlighting that event in the gospel. Your lightnings lighted up the world. Well, when you see the transfiguration of Jesus, you're realizing he's the source of the light. That's why in verse 11, he's called the sun and the shield. You know, he is the one from whom the light is actually shining that night when the apostles see this miracle takes place. And when Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here, that's that's the same sentiment as, man, I love your dwelling place. I don't want to leave it. I want to be here ever singing your praise. Let's stay with you here on the mountain forever. It's that sort of attitude of Peter that's shining through in the psalm as well. To behold the glory of the Lord is a great thing. And this is their moment to give them a sort of taste of the beatific vision. And of course, they don't want to leave it. It's just so joyous and and majestic. This is what humanity was made for, to be able to see the grace of God in the face of Jesus Christ shining. How does the collect read? It's a pretty uh, complicated 
collect. Yeah, it is. They tried to make it a little plainer in the version we have for LSB. It used to begin, O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirm the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of the fathers. Well, they thought, well, people might wonder what that means. By the testimony now of Moses and Elijah. You confirm the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. In the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshowed our adoption by grace. This is my son. Ah, wait a minute. That's what he's going to do to us too. So then we pray, mercifully make us co-heirs with the king. And then I think the old version read, of his glory, and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. It's a thought that the collect at the heart there is based on a thought that will be picked up in the hymn of the day, that the glory that you're seeing Jesus show on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is a glory he wants to bring and intends to bring and will bring to us too. That is something that I think is maybe an emphasis that is most comfortable in Lutheran theology. Because you mentioned earlier, you used a couple technical terms, the genus myostaticum, you'll need to explain mm-hmm. that, and then the mystical union. That's yeah. what this collect is really all about. Yeah, this collect is very much reflecting on both of those. And, and they really do tie together. The genus myostaticum, that in the union of the two natures in Christ, the divine nature imparts to the human nature a share in its glory. The usual picture that the fathers use for this is, you know, if you take iron, picture the human nature as iron and then you put the iron in fire, the iron itself begins to glow. It shines and it's full of heat, right? So this is what happens to human nature in the union with Christ. It begins to partake of the divinity that is, you know, the glories of the divinity, which belong essentially and always only essentially to the divine nature. They're communicated to the human nature and they shine through it. And if you will, at the moment of the transfiguration, this is really who Jesus is from the moment of his of his incarnation. But mostly there's a veil over that throughout the time of, of the days of his humiliation where he doesn't show it. Every once in a while, he'll let the veil peep a little and show it. You know, like when he walks across the water, like it's just regular ground. Or when he can command the sea and the wind and, 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 and they instantly obey him. Well, this is the same thing visually for the eye. The divine glory that is eternally in the sun is now shining through the humanity of Jesus. And it's shining there because this is the gift Jesus wants to give to us. When the ancient fathers said that little saying, God became man, that man might become God, this is what they're talking about. He became a human being and took our humanity into himself in order to divinize that humanity in himself. And that's what we will see in glory, in ourselves on the last day. I mean, as awesome as the transfiguration is for a picture of who Jesus is, you have to realize this is what God is intending to do to you. Look at this. This is how you will be in the resurrection. When he raises you on the last day, you will be shining in his glory like this. And you already have, just like Jesus in his humiliation, hid the glory. So the glory is hidden in our lives now, but we really do share it. We really do have it because he who has this glory comes into union with us in the mystical union. He unites himself to us through his word and through his sacraments. And this brings that divine glory into our lives. St. Peter could even say, you know, he has made us partakers of the divine nature by his great promises. 
Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, the observation of the transfiguration of our Lord, working our way toward that account in Matthew's Gospel. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues Etc. Book of the Month. Here's an easy way for you to help us cast ChristNet on the Internet. Subscribe, rate, and review the Issues Etc. podcast with your podcast provider. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us reach more listeners in 2024. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Educating a new generation of Lutherans, you're listening to Issues Etc. God's peace be with you from the beautiful Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in Kingsford, Michigan, invites you to include us in your travels to the Northwoods. As you enjoy the beauty of God's creation, we're here to deliver to you the unsurpassed beauty of God's gifts of word and sacrament, where Jesus Christ is found for our forgiveness, life, and salvation. To learn more about us, search us on Facebook or visit OurRedeemerKingsford.org. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest as we look forward to the transfiguration of our Lord according to the one-year lectionary. The Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday is either Exodus 34, 29 through 35 or Exodus 3, 1 through 14. Yeah, so let's take the second one there first, actually. So we're in the order of the book of Exodus. Exodus 3, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. 
When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Okay, you can see why this would be chosen as one of the options for the Old Testament reading on the Feast of the Transfiguration, because the Lord appears to Moses in the flame of a bush, and Moses is, he's astonished, right? The flame and the bush have a union, if you will, and yet the flame isn't destroying the bush. Moses, when he realizes it's God that he's coming face to face with, immediately covers his face because he knows the holiness of God will destroy him. But the holiness of God did not destroy that bush in which he revealed himself to Moses in the same way in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, the fathers always take this as a type, by the way, of the incarnation, and they see Mary as a type of the burning bush because, you know, Mary held in her womb this same fire that is the Lord Jesus. But then we see Mary gives to Jesus his human nature. He takes it from her womb. And so there in his human nature, in the transfiguration, he is shining, and yet his humanity is not destroyed by this glory. In fact, the glory is there to save, just like God appeared at the bush to send Moses down to save. So he comes in his son in order to save us and bring us to the true promised land, to our final home. It's a fitting reading, but I have to confess my favorite one is the second reading, which we're about to hear from Exodus chapter 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, 
And he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. So here you have Moses having a reflected glory from his conversation with the Lord. He went in and heard the words of the Lord, and the words of the Lord went into him bringing a glory that literally shone out from his skin. And of course, he's coming down the mountain having no clue that this has happened to him, right? He, he the, the glory has come to him, but he doesn't see that the glory is shining from him. But when the congregation see it, Aaron and all the people, they're like freaked out. Who wouldn't be? And they're backing away and running from it. But Moses calls Aaron and the people to come to him, and he delivers to them what the Lord had told him to say. And then he realizes that he's got a problem with this shining, and he puts this veil over his face. You remember St. Paul makes great hay of this veil in Second Corinthians and how that the veil of Moses still lies over the face of, of the Jews who, when they read the Old Covenant, don't see in it the glory of the Lord Jesus. But we who turn to the Lord, we worship him with an unveiled face, as Moses did, and we're then being transformed from one degree of glory into another, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this picture beautifully fits in. And of course, Moses, I really want to draw this out too. Do you remember what Moses' prayer was? He just kept coming back to it at the end of his life. He just wanted to do what, Todd? What did he want to do? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, oh my! He wanted to go to the Holy Land, right? I want to go. Oh, I yeah. want to go oh, across yeah. the river. I, I want to be there. I want to be in it. And God said, "No, no." God said, "Stop asking. You know, you're not going to get that." And of course, in the great ways of God, what God really meant was, "You're not going to get that yet," because as we're going to hear in the gospel, Moses did get to step his foot into the Holy Land when he is there before the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He and Elijah both there together. So keep that in mind as we come toward the gospel. But here in this reading, the big focus is God's word imparts the glory which transfigures the people of God. The gradual is an interesting choice. Yeah. Psalm 45 wed it to Psalm 110. You're the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So in the first verse, a verse describing the beauty of Jesus, who is indeed the most handsome of the children of men. Isaiah says he didn't have any former comeliness, so we should desire him. But here we hear that the beauty of Jesus that we have in him is the grace which is poured upon his lips. It is in the words of Jesus that we see his great beauty. He comes among us to hand over to us a life that is in him, that is forever, that we can never lose in him. And then we sort of shift from speaking to Jesus to the Father speaking to Jesus and saying, you're going to sit at my right hand, and I am going to make your enemies be your footstool. This is the one who is identified now by the glory that will shine from him and transfigure even his clothes on the Mount of the Transfiguration. Psalm 45 there is beautiful, but the appointed psalm for the day by itself, if you use the psalm, is Psalm 2 with an antiphon of Psalm 7. That verse 7 is, I will tell the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. 
And then it rolls on. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me. I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This beautiful psalm of the nation's protest against God's uh, choice of his holy king, which he sets upon Zion, his holy hill, this is revealed in the transfiguration of Jesus. This is the king. This is the son whom you are to kiss, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. His anger is quickly kindled, but still blessed are all those who take refuge inside of him. In Jesus, there is refuge for all, and in him, the glory that you see shining through him will be given to you too. The epistle couldn't be anything other than Second Peter 1, beginning at verse 16. Right, well, you know, or it could be maybe, the th- I, I don't know, in the three-year series, I think they maybe have the, the second Corinthians passage, which is also a beautiful tie-in. But you're right. This is the, the only explicit reference to the transfiguration that we have in the epistles. So from Second Peter chapter 1, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Wow. So Peter starts out with, we didn't make this stuff up, guys. <laughs> we didn't try to piece this story together for you. This is just absolutely what happened. We were the eyewitnesses. And what we saw, what we were eyewitnesses of, was his majesty. That's the genus maya statucum, maya, the, the, majest, the communication of majesty to the human nature. He was an eyewitness of this on the mountain with James and John. In fact, you know, it's kind of interesting in the, in the New Testament, Todd, Peter writes about it here. I think John writes about it in John 1. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth there. And James, of course, dies before he has an opportunity to write anything down. But those three did get to witness this incredible event. And 
It's fascinating that Peter doesn't say, yeah, we saw Moses. We saw Elijah. I mean, that's the stuff that, that impressed Peter at the moment when it happened. But as he reflects more and more on this, he says, you know, the only thing that really mattered that day was what the father said about his son. And we saw this is the beloved son of the father. We saw that glory and we realized God was saying, yeah, this is my son. This really is my only begotten here for you in your flesh. And he then says, so that was awesome. And it was amazing. And it was just a great gift of God. He says, but you have something even more amazing, which is the word of God. And when you pay attention to that in your heart, it the morning star, which is another name for Jesus, he himself arises within you. And the light that we saw in the transfiguration in Jesus comes into you via the words of God that have been written down for you in the sacred scriptures that you can hold on to the prophecy which the Holy Spirit has given about this Christ. It will give you the glory. And the morning star, Jesus himself, will arise in your hearts. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We are looking forward to the transfiguration of our Lord according to the one-year lectionary. Pastor Whedon is author of the book Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. These books are published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also browse before you buy on the Talk On Demand archives page at issueztc.org. We'll be looking at the verse headed toward the gospel reading in Matthew 17 next. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. A bequest allows you to receive an estate tax charitable deduction and reduces the tax burden on your family. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the word of the Lord endures forever. Hello, this is Roy Askins with The Lutheran Witness. You've heard me talk about all the great content we publish in the print magazine of The Lutheran Witness, but I wanted to share with you that we have even more online. Visit our website, witness.lcms.org, where you'll hear even more content on worship this month in particular from Cantor Phil Magnus. We also have a series on literature right now going on and a series on church art with much more planned in the future. You can get all that for free on witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, a charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. 
Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Spiritual and religious. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Calvary Lutheran, Elgin, Illinois. Faith Lutheran, Plano, Texas. Hope Lutheran, Granite City, Illinois. Kaiser Lautern Lutheran, Kaiser Lautern, Germany. Mount Zion Lutheran, Greenfield, Wisconsin. Praise Lutheran, Maryville, Tennessee. Shepherd of the Springs Lutheran, Colorado Springs, Colorado. St. Paul Lutheran, Cedar, Michigan. St. Timothy Lutheran, Huber Heights, Ohio. And Zion Lutheran, Accident, Maryland. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including issues, etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are looking forward to the transfiguration of our Lord on this Monday afternoon. Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is our guest. Pastor Whedon, take us through the verse and into that gospel reading in Matthew 17. All right. The verse is from Psalm 96, verses 2 and 3. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Then get this, declare his glory among the nations his marvelous works among the peoples. And that's what happens whenever the church celebrates the Feast of the Transfiguration, whether on this Sunday or three weeks from now or on August 6th, the church is proclaiming among the nations the marvelous deeds of God and proclaiming the glory of Jesus. So let's get into it. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And the disciples heard this. They fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Wow. Let's work through it. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them into a high mountain by themselves. Tradition identifies this mountain with Tabor. So sometimes this is called the miracle of Tabor. 
note that these are the same three that got to witness the raising of Jairus's daughter and who would witness the agony of Jesus in prayer in Gethsemane. And he was what? Transfigured or, you know, the Greek literally there is like metamorphosized in front of them. He was changed, transformed before them. And his face became as the sun, but the garments of him became white like the light. So the same verb is used in Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Second Corinthians 3, 18, we're transformed as we see the glory. We're changed from glory to glory as we look at the face of Christ. And it's applied to Christians in this lifetime. All right. Uh, you can also compare the appearance of the glory of Christ as he appears in Revelation 1 to John on Patmos. His countenance was like the sun, exceeding, shining in its strength. The important point is that the light is not shining externally on him. It's not like there's a massive spotlight beaming down on Jesus. He's the spotlight is beaming out from him. As Revelation 21, 23 says, the lamb is its light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah speaking together with him. So Moses, the lawgiver, and Elijah, the prophet, they summarize the whole of the Old Testament witness to Christ, the law and the prophets. They speak together with him. And Luke says they speak about the exodus that he was to perform in Jerusalem. I think the King James translated the decease, but I mean, it really is the, 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 the exodus. He was going to lead an exodus just like Moses led the people out of Egypt, just like Elijah had an exodus out of this world. So Jesus is about to perform this in Jerusalem, his holy passion. St. Augustine said, Moses and Elias, that is the law and the prophets, what avail they except they converse with the Lord, except they give witness to the Lord? Who would read the law or the prophets? Mark how briefly the apostle expresses this, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Behold the sun being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Behold the shining of the sun. And St. John Chrysostom, he notes the importance of these two witnesses who were both zealous for the law and who would never countenance any who set themselves in opposition to Yahweh, giving tribute here to the fact that Jesus really is true God and thus worthy of worship. But Peter answering said to Jesus, Lord, it is good or beautiful, that Colin word, to be here. If you wish, I will make here three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter makes this horrible mistake of placing the Lord's lawgiver and prophet, the servants of the Lord, on a par with God's only son. The fathers note that Peter is also wearied of the struggle of faith, and he just wishes to live in the glory of that mountaintop experience. Augustine writes, He desired three tabernacles. The heavenly answer showed him that we have one, which human judgment desired to divide. Christ, the word of God, the word of God in the law and the word of God in the prophets. Why, Peter, do you divide them? It were more fitting for you to join them. You seek three. Understand, they are but one. I love that. So while he is still speaking, behold, a bright cloud or a cloud of brightness overshadowed them. And this voice comes from the cloud announcing, this is the son of me, my son, the beloved in whom I have pleasure. Listen to him and hearing the disciples fell on their faces and were afraid very much. Uh, St. Augustine again, 
in that they fall to the earth, they signified that we die. For it was said to the flesh, you are earth, and to earth you shall return. But when the Lord raised them up, he signified the resurrection. After the resurrection, what is the law to thee? What is prophecy? Therefore, neither Moses nor Elias are seen. He only remains who was in the beginning with God and who was with God, the word who was God. He remains to you that God may be all in all. Moses will be there, but now no more law. We'll see Elias there too, but now no more prophet. For the law and the prophets have only given witness to Christ, that it behooved him to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day and to enter into his glory. And coming to them, Jesus, also grasping or touching them, said, Get up and do not fear. So remember, the Father had said, Listen to him, whatever he says to you. And the first thing he says to them is, Arise and do not fear. So beautiful. Lifting up the eyes, they saw no one except Jesus only. Chrysostom said, But if we will, we will behold Christ, not as they then on the mount, but in far greater brightness. For not thus shall he come hereafter. For whereas then to spare his disciples, he discovered so much only of his brightness as they were able to bear. Hereafter he shall come in the very glory of the Father, not with Moses and Elias only, but with the infinite host of the angels, with the archangels, with the cherubim, with those infinite tribes not having a cloud over his head, but even heaven itself being folded up. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus said, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. In other words, it was for these three to get these three through what they were getting ready to face in the Lord's own passion. So, you know, on Epiphany, when the Magi entered the house where Jesus and his mother were, we're told that they fell down and they worshiped him, offering him their gifts. That's how Epiphany began with the wise men on their faces before the Lord. And so Epiphany ends again with wise men on their faces before the Lord. On Epiphany, it was the glory of a star that manifested the child. But on the Mount of Transfiguration, that child grown to manhood is the source of the light itself. He shines on the favored three that he might fulfill his earlier promise. There stand some here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom come in glory. So Peter, James, and John saw in the transfiguration of that glory the kingdom of God in the very face of Jesus Christ. We will talk more about the transfiguration of our Lord as we look forward to Sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary with Pastor Will Whedon. On the other side of the break, I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue in Titus with qualifications for elders, rebuke them sharply, sound doctrine, grace of God, and the washing of regeneration. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? 
Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press's award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit them at memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR24 at checkout. Memoria Press. Saving Western Civilization, one student at a time. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com, lutheracademy.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. We're looking forward to the transfiguration of our Lord according to the one-year lectionary. I've always kind of been curious about this fact of the transfiguration, Will, and that is this isn't only about Christ's divinity, which it most certainly is. Mm -hmm. This is about these men, whether Old Testament or New Testament, whether Moses and Elijah or Peter, James, and John, being able to look upon the unveiled glory of the incarnate Christ and live yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you go right it's back about, to that it, Old Testament it's, reading, right? It's about God's mercy. Yeah, be a shadow of doubt. Moses had begged, show me your face, show me your face. God's like, you can't see me and live. Not like that. Only way you're going to see him and live is when you see his glory shining through the face of Jesus Christ. And seeing that glory is what enables you to really live, to live a life that has no end at all. So the glory that he's showing you there is glory that he comes to bring into flesh for Moses and Elijah, for Peter, James, and John, for you and for me. And also this aspect of the face-to-face. John tells us no one at any time has seen God, only the only begotten Son. He has made him known. Mm-hmm. That's what John says near the beginning of his gospel. But that has changed. Christ doesn't only make the Father known. He, well, at least two things— he allows us to look upon the face of God, but he also allows us then, as you said near the beginning of our conversation, to have a part in God's glory, to have a part in God's nature. Yeah, he's going to give you the gift of being a child just as he is the child begotten of the Father. He will give you the gift of being an adopted child of the Father, and that glory that is in him is glory that through him is going to be given to you. He gives you a piece of the action, if you will, 
I think when we we looked at that Christmas hymn, it, it covers it. You know, he he exchanges with us wondrously, takes on our flesh and blood, so that in his Father's kingdom he can give us the luminous divinity there. He's going to give you a share in the luminous divinity that's shining that you see in the transfiguration. This is like he's saying, this is for you guys. This is what I'm going to the cross to give to you. Beautiful. What would you say about, first, the hymn, A Wondrous Type of Vision Fair? Uh, number one, you know, I love it, and, and I will never forget, I had a discussion with my, my nephew. He was raised Anglican, and he is an Orthodox priest. And when he heard that we sing A Wondrous Type to Deo Gracias, he was astounded. He was like, you sing to that? <laughs> so, I mean, it's a very famous tune in the history of England, but the fitting for the way it fits for a wonder's type is just beautiful. It's sort of a unique Lutheranism, I think, to let those two things come together. So, a wondrous type, O vision fair of glory that the church may share. There it is right there at the start, which Christ upon the mountain shows where brighter than the sun he glows. So, this is a vision of glory that Christ is giving to his church. With Moses and Elijah nigh, the incarnate Lord holds converse high, and from the cloud, the Holy One bears record to the only Son. So you have the saints gathered there. Where Jesus, they're the saints. They go hand in glove together. And where Jesus and the glory of the saints, there the Father is present. And the Father's witness to the Son is that this is my beloved Son and that you need to hear him. Don't put my Son on the same level as my servants, the prophets. This is my unique Son, my only begotten Son. With shining face and bright array, Christ deigns to manifest today what glory shall be theirs above, who joy in God with perfect love. In other words, he's showing you your future. When you look at the Mount of the Transfiguration, you are looking at where your human body is actually headed. It's just amazing. And faithful hearts then are raised on high by this great vision's mystery, for which in joyful strains we raise the voice of prayer, the hymn of praise. And that leads to the great doxology. O Father, with the eternal Son and Holy Spirit ever one, we pray thee, bring us by thy grace to see thy glory face to face. Because we know in that moment when we see his glory face to face, that's the very moment at which we too will appear with him in glory, as John says in 1 John 3. What other hymns might we be singing around the Transfiguration this coming Sunday? Well, one of the newer ones that I think is just really fabulous is Jesus on the Mountain Peak. It's very different from what we just heard. Listen, Jesus on the Mountain Peak stands alone in glory blazing. He's the only one from whom the glory is streaming. Let us, if we dare to speak, join the saints and angels praising Alleluia. Trembling at his feet, we saw so he puts us with the apostles on their feet there, I mean, on their face there at Jesus' feet. Moses and Elijah speaking, all the prophets and the law shout through them their joyful greeting. So we get this beautiful picture that everything that the Old Testament is there to give us is all about Jesus. It's all pointing to him. And here's the fulfillment. This is the moment. Swift the cloud of glory came, God proclaiming in its thunder, Jesus as the Son by name. Nations cry aloud in wonder. Sin of the Father leaves no doubt. As much as he loves and values his holy prophets and the great lawgiver Moses, these men are his servants in his house. But this is the Son 
whose house it is. These are the, the son who is beyond compare to any of the servants of the law. So you hear then the cry, this is God's beloved son. Law and prophets sing before him, first and last and only one. All creation shall adore him. I just absolutely love that. And of course, there's also Tis Good Lord to Be Here, which is the hymn that most of us remember from the, the TLH days, right? When you celebrated Transfiguration. Focusing on Peter's, it's so good to be here, and yet we can't stay here because Jesus is headed to the cross where the glory will shine even brighter than it does upon the Mount of the Transfiguration and the darkness and in the death. The glory of God will shine because this is the glory of God, his love for fallen mankind, which will stop at nothing, even death or hell, to bring us home to himself. We were told that Peter, James, and John, who were the sole witnesses to this, told no one until Christ had been raised from the dead. I think Christ even commands them to do this. Right. Does that, with Luther's insight, this is shown to them to sustain them. Mm-hmm. Why is it not right to speak of this amazing, completely unique event until Christ has fulfilled his calling? Well, I mean, that calls for speculation, I guess, on, on our part, right? I mean, he doesn't say why they're not to do it. If I had to speculate, I, I would think that that would maybe put the attention on the three as having had a personal, wonderful experience that the others didn't get to have. And that would be the exact wrong thing. <laughs> the focus needs to be on Jesus and uh, not just what they had to experience. They will bear witness after the resurrection to what they experienced up on that mountain, and it will fit with the resurrection. It will fit with the Father raising his son from the dead, and then it will bring joy to everyone. It was not for Peter, James, and John per se. It was for the church that this revelation happened. And I mean, maybe that's the best way to put it. It's because it was for all of us that he wants them to hold their tongues until the thing is done, until sin has been atoned, death has been defeated, and the kingdom of heaven has been tossed wide open to welcome in all believers. Finally, Peter contrasts this event that he witnessed with the prophetic word made more sure. And then he says, pay attention. He says this very same thing that the father said, listen to that. Yeah, because they had learned that listening to the prophetic word, they were actually listening to the voice of the son. That's the big aha of the New Testament is that, this is why Matthew starts out the way he does. You know, when the New Testament starts, it announces the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And everybody thinks it's, he's talking there about the genealogy that follows. No, he's telling you that entire Old Testament is the book of the genealogy of Jesus. Is how God is walking down in the flesh through generation after generation until this moment arrives and God is born among us to finally set us free and bring us home, forgiving our sins and bringing us into an eternal kingdom and granting us a share in glory that never fades, never for all eternity. Pastor Will Whedon is assistant pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hamill, Illinois. He formerly served as director of worship for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's author of the books, Celebrating the Saints, Thank, Praise, Serve, and Obey, and See My Savior's Hands. And he hosts the daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study produced by Lutheran Public Radio called The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Pastor Whedon, thank you. Thank you so much, Todd. Pastor Whedon just started a study on the book of Titus. You can listen to his daily 15-minute Bible study at thewordendures.org, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Apple HomePod, the LPR mobile app, 
or a podcast provider like Apple or Spotify. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. Up next, we'll replay an interview with Aaron Wren on Christianity and culture. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.